Welcome to the Brownstoner Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schneps, publisher of Brownstoner. My guests today are Jessica Henson and Lucy Perry of the Henson Sewell Perry team. Welcome, Jessica and Lucy. Good to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Of course, our pleasure. So, Jessica, you live in the Columbia Street Waterfront District, and Lucy, you live in Carroll Gardens. Uh, the Henson Sewell Perry team has worked with buyers and sellers all over Brooklyn, but you specialize particularly in Brooklyn Heights, Burham Hill, Cobble Hill, and Carroll Gardens. Lucy, can you tell us what is special about those areas and what you really love about it? Well, I think you always fall in love with your, your neighborhood in New York. And, you know, part of the reason I think we work here is we all live in these neighborhoods um, and we know a lot about them. I love that all of those neighborhoods feel like they're my backyard. I can walk to Borham Hill, back to Carroll Gardens, up to Brooklyn Heights, and it all just feels like a beautiful day to me to be walking through the streets of, of Brownstone, Brooklyn. We also have Court Street is a, is a great commercial spine. I might want to walk up Court Street and do some shopping as I'm as I'm heading around or take a more quiet walk up Clinton Street or Henry. The, the architecture is just so beautiful. We just I never tire of the neighborhoods. And then we've got the waterfront, which is so special. I mean, we've always had the, the promenade, but now there's Brooklyn Bridge Park that just makes it so amazing around here. I mean, I love I love to get out and just experience the neighborhood myself. Yeah, and also great transportation. It's so well, of course, yes. And just all over um, the borough for sure. Yeah, you can, you can be in Manhattan, you know, with Borough Hall and eight subway lines. I mean, you could be on the Upper East Side in 20 minutes. So it's the accessibility to all the boroughs, actually, with subways and the bus lines. It's it's just really a, a perfect place to kind of be to enjoy all of the city and but but have your own little special spot of Brooklyn. So, Jessica, before you became a real estate agent, you had a long and successful career in theater and film as an actress and singer. And you enjoy hiking and skiing and volunteering in the public schools in your spare time. But how did you get into real estate and, and meet your team partners? It kind of started as a hobby and also a necessity, like a lot of New Yorkers, you know, we're always in an apartment or a place that we're living in and, and we need more space. So I found myself kind of scouring the New York Times every week to see if I could, you know, find our next home and uh, really enjoyed kind of searching the different neighborhoods and the different types of apartments. And soon I found myself joining friends, you know, on open houses, and I would be pointing out things to them that maybe they hadn't noticed and, and helping them find value in things or find maybe some, you know, hidden surprises as I kind of stood silently in the back, really taking in the apartment or the house. And a couple of them had said, oh, you should really consider being a real estate agent. You could really help people. And so it, it kind of stemmed from that. And at my former brokerage firm, I was well aware of Kim Sewell and Lucy Perry. They had a reputation for representing some of the most beautiful listings in Brownstone, Brooklyn. And I was just kind of a, a starter agent and, and kind of kept them on my radar. We would kind of swim in the same circles at the office occasionally and slowly got to know them. And I just respected them so much. And it just kind of happened. It fell into place a couple of years later. Kim and I uh, both happened to end up at Compass within a month of one another. And we chatted. And before you knew it, we became partners. And and soon Lucy came over to Compass and we thought, well, let's let's unite and become a force. And it's been a genuine pleasure to work with people you respect so much and who know so much about 
Brooklyn and real estate and transactions, but they're also really fun people too. They're really lovely individuals. I'm the luckiest broker to get to work with these two. Well, that's very fortunate. It sounds like it was pretty organic. Yeah, it was absolutely organic. It's just kind of, it, it felt like it was meant to be, you know, how that happens sometimes in life. So Lucy, you and your team focus on townhouses, which we love at Brownstoner, um, as well as new construction condos, and you've renovated several townhouses between the group. What are some of the hidden charms of townhouses that might not be obvious to someone with the untrained eye? So the townhouse is a, it's a classic urban way of living that goes back hundreds of years. As you say, most, most of them date back to the 19th century, some are new. But what I love about a townhouse is the separation of spaces, the stairway. I feel like the stairway is this sculptural uniting object in, in a townhouse that is just, it's so beautiful and unites the house is a special thing about living in a townhouse. I mean, townhouses definitely have their challenges, but there's nothing like living in a townhouse. The proportions, you know, you've get these, it starts from, from uh, 19th century where you had larger rooms, you had higher ceilings, a lot, of, a lot of the styles, and it creates a really wonderful place to live. Well, I think, you know, staying with that, a lot of questions that people have when it comes to townhouses is do they buy one that's moving condition or do they work on a fixer upper? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I feel like this year things are a little different. Um, people love the idea of living in a townhouse, but they are they needed an office yesterday, a, a home office yesterday. So mm -hmm. the, the idea of fixing things up, I feel like there's a little less patience in that regard. You know, I think that's going to change just like it always does. People are always renovating I love seeing containers on the streets of Brownstone, Brooklyn, knowing that these houses are getting another life to last, mm -hmm. you know, another hundred years. Nothing makes me feel better. When someone looks at a house uh, that they that that does need renovating, I think what you want to look at is the house's potential. You know, what is what's part of that house that is going to be there whether you renovate or not? And it's it's the proportions, it's the ceiling heights, it's the width of the building the depth, where the stairs located, the light quality. You just want to notice what makes the house special. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen lots of different kinds of house, houses. I used, I bought a house years ago and we were feeling like um, width was really important. I've got what is considered a wide townhouse. Mm -hmm. But over the years as a real estate broker, I've, I've learned to really love the 16 foot wide houses. I think they make great rooms front and back because you don't have the, the little spare room on the side. And so those those front and back rooms have a great proportion. So there's there's just, uh, you know, when you get in a house, you have to sort of look past what's falling apart and under, you know, understand what's going to be there after the renovation and what you can't really change. What's unique to that house? Good bones is always important. Exactly. You know, I feel like a lot of people buy a fixer-upper, but they don't really comprehend what's involved in really doing um, a big uh, fixer-upper. So what advice do you have or thoughts in terms of what people need to know? Well, I think it's I think it's always good to bring in a contractor or an architect. You're going to learn a lot by even walking through a house. There's the stuff you see and there's the stuff you don't see. There's the there's houses that are sagging. A lot of these townhouses have got real real settlement problems. And as you go up in a house, if you're on the top floor, you see the settlement is uh, accentuated. You know, it, that is something that you can kind of there's two things you can do with a house that has a lot of settling. Live with it 
and just sort of appreciate the history or, or you can fix those floors. You know, that is something that you can go in and change. You can change the windows. You can level the floors. It's I've done it in my own house. You know, you, you, it's, it's possible. It's not a big deal. Stairs are another thing. Yeah. I feel like today people are generally renovating their stairs. I've seen the change in the last 10 years. It used to be something that was kind of okay. If they weren't falling off the wall, they were just fine. But now I think, I think it's not that big a deal to uh, update the stairs. They, they look the same, but they, there's a, you bring back the solid treads beneath your feet. And then there's the things that you don't see, which is in the walls, you know, the electric and the plumbing, those, if they haven't been touched, they haven't been touched and they're from, you know, I don't know how far back they go. And, you know, you can kind of limp along and fix them as you go. It's probably, if it's a real renovation, you're going to want it. You're going to want to update the whole thing. And it's just easier to kind of start from scratch and go for the gut sometimes of the gut renovation. Those are some things that, that I think is, are important. Jessica, anything you want to add in terms of the move in ready versus the fixer upper or what people really need to know when it comes to doing renovation? I think they need to know themselves <laughs> and know what their threshold is for renovation because it will it will test you <laughs> i think you know <laughs> renovations always bring up surprises and hidden additional costs. What I'm kind of seeing in the market now is that people at higher price points for townhouses they're not interested in doing full renovations. They they really kind of been a stressful year. Uh, we don't know, you know, where things are headed in the next few months with things. So they don't want to have to think about filing permits, you know, with the city and, and, and having construction crews in and all of that. Where I am seeing the opposite of that is actually at around the $2 million price point for a townhouse where families are realizing with these incredibly low interest rates, and with it being kind of a buyer's market with lots of opportunities out there that they may actually be able to purchase a townhouse, which had only been a pipe dream for them for several years. So they're the ones who are taking that leap of faith and bringing in their contractors and trying to figure out, can we actually make this work? Can we have a piece of this dream that we've always kind of fantasized about for Brooklyn and actually have a townhouse? So I think, you know, as long as they have a, a contractor and an architect, you know, they trust that um, and they can temper their enthusiasm with the realities of what will undoubtedly pop up. It's a fantastic opportunity, you know, for people to move on to uh, the next step in their real estate lives. And I'll just add, you know, it's critical to have a great team around you with brokers that are experienced and, and really know the listings that they're showing you and in terms of what work they might need. Yes. I agree with that, wouldn't you, Lucy? Definitely. So Jessica, you touched on a little bit in terms of, you know, the apprehension during COVID of potentially doing renovations, that that's something people just certainly have to be aware of. But how has COVID-19 changed Brooklyn and affected the overall real estate market here? Well, when we first opened up from the shelter in place, it was a little bit like there was a lot of pent up demand for both buying and selling. And particularly for outdoor space. Sure. That became uh, the number one thing people were looking for starting, you know, end of June when things started to open up. You know, superficially, it looks different than it did a year ago in that buyers are no longer attending public open houses with 16 other potential buyers wandering through a property trying to decide if it's a place that they want to purchase. 
its guidelines are in place. And, and we're so pleased that, you know, fellow brokers and, and buyers are, are happy to do that. So we're having private appointments. It's a much more kind of intimate one-on-one experience uh, in seeing a home. And it allows for the buyer to really put, bring in a discerning eye and they can really take a look. In general, though, with COVID, I, I don't see the market suffering in Brooklyn because of COVID. I think things have been very slow and steady. And we represent all price points from loft studios to luxury townhouses. And we're finding movement. We're, we're finding buyers. We're getting things into contract and closing where one is desired. It's um, we're finding some people coming from Manhattan who kind of want that, that piece of Brooklyn, you know, bigger sky, fresh air, more space. There's a, almost a mystique about Brooklyn and we haven't found that the market has, has been hit as hard. Uh, it hasn't been this incredible trajectory, like some places in America that you're reading about nationally, but it's holding its own. And I have always said, I, I would never bet against New York City real estate or Brooklyn real estate. Just, I would never bet against it. We will reinvent ourselves and there will always be people seeking to come here because of what New York City can bring to your life, your day-to-day life. We just offer so much. You know, Our city is just a wonderful place for so many interests. Well, I'm with you, and I love that positive outlook. What about the future? What do you see in terms of the near future and where the market is headed? Well, it seems like you know interest rates are still kind of holding low right now, so that provides ample opportunity for buyers. You know, we hear from our colleagues, and we have more listings coming up, so it will continue to be a moving market. There will be plenty of opportunities for buyers, and that's why you know one of the reasons we love working with buyers is to help them kind of cut through the noise. There's so much available, so how do we help them find that one property that's really going to suit them and be the next place for them, you know, to live for the next few years and and enjoy their lives? Do I have a crystal ball to see where things are headed? I, I wish I did, but. Um, Everything, you know, that I've been sensing and my colleagues is that it feels really good and things will continue. Well, that's positive news, especially after the market has seen such great years over the past few years. So, Jessica, you know, you talked about how uh, the Henson Sewell Perry team works with really every price point and at every stage in the real estate cycle. Tell me a little bit more about what the team offers and why a potential buyer or sell would want to specifically work with the Henson Sewell Perry team. Well, the three of us are experienced agents who have a depth and a breadth of knowledge and experience, and we work with each other. Um, so we feel like each of our clients gets that vast amount of knowledge and experience. So the way Kim and Lucy and I tend to work is that we have our buyers and sellers, and we focus primarily on them. It's not so much about kind of spreading out. So all three of us get to know all of our buyers and sellers intimately. We really work hands-on one-on-one with our clients. But within that, we are meeting up all the time to talk about our buyers and sellers. We're talking about, you know, uh, what roadblocks we may be hitting with the market or with buyers and sellers with properties. And we're constantly tapping into one another's experience and knowledge to figure out how to best serve our clients. So our clients are kind of getting, you know, a three for one (laughs) in terms of experience. 
You know, Lucy, I really like what you said uh, earlier is that, you know, you live in the communities you serve. And I think that's really important because there's so many little things about a neighborhood that people don't know until they've lived there. Is there anything else that you would share in terms of you and the team? As far as the team goes? Well, I think I think Jessica said it well, you know, that we we share our experience. We take care of our clients kind of we, we spearhead our own our own deals but we're there for each other. We do marketing together. You know, I think we all have just a real love for, for Brooklyn. And working with a buyer, talk me a little bit through how you narrow down the neighborhood with a buyer and the type of property that they're looking for. Well, I think you need to follow your gut. There's all of these neighborhoods have got a lot to offer. You know, I can say when, when I bought a townhouse years ago, uh, I loved parks. I, lo- I loved Olmstead and the city parks and Prospect Park was really important to me. In the end, um, Carroll Gardens, Cobble Hill was more really what I was looking for. The proximity to the highways, to the city, it felt better to me. So I still have the park. I can get there easily. Important for, for my the location of where I wanted to live. There was good subways here. I could get out of town. And I felt like Manhattan was extremely accessible. In the long run, do I go to Manhattan as much as I, I thought I would? Not, not really, but that's that's kind of the beauty of Brooklyn. Yep. And and the type of property, you know, I think uh, oftentimes people will will be looking at, you know, will 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 be looking at, at at co-ops, condos, and townhouses. I think I think if you know a person's got to understand that there's a little more maintenance that goes on with with owning a house. You're bringing the garbage out yourself. If you really want someone to take care of you, that an apartment building is is better for you. But but otherwise, you know, people start looking. They're looking at both. And then there comes a time where, again, it's like your gut says, this is my dream to live in a townhouse, or this is my dream to live in on the 14th floor of this building and have a view of the water. There's obviously not a right answer because people live in all these different types of, of housing, but you just have to know what works for you, you know, what works for the buyer. And that's something that, that we try to to look for and to try to listen to, you know, as we're, as we're looking at properties. And pretty soon it just naturally starts focusing in on the type of house uh, building that they're looking at, you know, whether it's a whether it's a townhouse or an apartment building. Co-ops, condos, I think that they're both I they both have qualities that are that are fabulous. Co-ops are historically very well run. Buildings are a little can be older, but they've been taken care of. They've been maintained well. Condos give you give you a freedom. People love the freedom that a condo allows. But with that, it's a little little more of the wild west at times in a condo building. Um, there's the building can be have a lot more renters and a little less um, commitment to the building in the tenants that are living there. But people love to kind of go for co-ops over condo over co-ops. I think co-ops can be great too. Well, Jessica, you know, I'd love to end off all these podcasts talking about what inspires people about Brooklyn. And I'd love for you to share what inspires you about the borough. This sounds silly, but just about everything in Brooklyn inspires me. I feel like I'm inspired walking down the streets, you know, to be able to to have the privilege of walking down these blocks with these historical brownstones and townhouses and to be able to see big sky for a small town girl from the Midwest, like that's a huge thing for me. To have so much of of what the city can offer 
in the borough that I'm choosing to live and raise my children in. You know, we've got incredible shops and boutiques and local business owners and the restaurants. Uh, you can find absolutely anything that you want uh, to eat. Any craving that you have, you will find in Brooklyn. We, we have the world-renowned Brooklyn Museum. We have, you know, the legendary King's Theater. We have so much here. It's just kind of a magical place. When I was growing up, I didn't know that I would live in New York City, but I remember having this really kind of idyllic vision of New York City, what that would look like. And, and so much of it is kind of my impression of, uh, of what I thought about Brooklyn, everything that, that is possible with living here. And if you ever wanted to you know, go to Manhattan or see a Broadway show or whatever it is, it's just a short subway ride away, but you have kind of uh, a slightly slower pace in Brooklyn. Doesn't feel like that kind of city energy that doesn't um, drive you nuts at like two in the morning. On the flip side, I'm inspired by people I pass on the street. It, it, feels like, you know, if someone's living here in New York, they're probably at the top of their respective game, whatever field it is that they do, creative, um, uh, financial, whatever it may be. I, I meet the most fascinating people in my own neighborhood, just walking down the street. And, and I find that inspiring. And there's no place else I, I, I'd rather be than, than right here with all of these people who are choosing to make this spot of Brooklyn their home. Well, I'm with you on all those points. And Jessica and Lucy, it's been a pleasure to hear your story and share your story with our listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us on the show. Our pleasure. Okay. Thank you for joining the Brownstoner podcast and make sure to tune in at brownstoner.com.